Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. It is so good to have each and every one of you, those who are here with us, those online. Uh, it's so good to be with you. My name is, is Greg McKinney. My wife and I are actually the lead pastors here uh, at Glory Church. And if you are new with us, thank you so much for coming. I am excited. Uh, I have not got to teach in two weeks, which has been great to pause and get a rest, but I have been so excited to be up here. Uh, again, those of you who are going to listen on the podcast, what's up? It's so good to have you. Um, but those who are in the room, like I, I'm excited. Uh, we are in week six over a series of Joseph's life. Joseph and not Joseph, the dad of Jesus, wrong Joseph, uh, the Joseph of the Old Testament, the Joseph who uh, was, wore the coat of many colors, the Joseph who was hated by his brothers, the Joseph who was thrown in a pit and sold to slavery by his brothers, the Joseph who was enslaved and, and worked with a guy named Potiphar, the Joseph who was hit on by Potiphar's wife, who ran out naked, you know that story who was then thrown into imprisonment because the wife lied. All these things, the Joseph who then was uh, interpreting a dream, one guy died, the other guy didn't, you know, all these things are happening. The Joseph who was then elected as Pharaoh's right-hand man, the Joseph who interpreted a dream that there would be seven years of plenty, of, of blessing, and seven years of famine. The Joseph who is now sitting at the right hand of Pharaoh, literally owning all of Egypt. That Joseph. We are in this morning, and before I, like, obviously I just got us caught up, but before I go backtrack a little bit on the weeks before, I want, like, to prep you guys for where you're at. Uh, I want to prep you for what we're about to say. I, I literally, I, I need us to be in the mindset that is ready to receive what God has for us today. Okay, I'm going to say that I want you, as I look at you, I want to prepare you to be in the mindset of what God has in store for you today. I want you to be in the mindset of it because uh, I believe he is doing, typically we've, we've been looking at a single character, Joseph, but this week there are two main characters in the story. One is Joseph and the other, we'll get into it in a little bit, the second main character who I believe God is wanting us to mirror today. He's wanting us to mirror. God is taking the mirror of Joseph in this story. But there's a second main character that I believe all of us, if you're, if you're ready to receive what God is going to speak, you will step into the role of this other person, the second character. Okay, because I believe it. So I wrote some things. Some of you have walked in and you've been feeling famished for a while. Some of you are like, I don't know if I can keep going. This, this thing at, job, like at my workplace, this job has not turned out to be what I thought. Some of you are like, this family has not turned out to be what I thought. I'm tired. I'm anxious. Some of you are just at a long stretch, and you finally see the light at the end of the tunnel, and you're like, all right, I can make it, but you're still uncertain. All of us, the Lord is ready to speak to. The Lord is ready. In fact, if I could just tell you, Gabby talked last week about how there was a special favor bestowed on Joseph, how we could constantly handle the bad that was pushed at him. There's this favor. And, and honestly, we talk a lot about God's grace given to us in the measure of our faith. Did you, you know that? Like God, God graces us to, in, in according to the level of our faith. Well, I will tell you this morning that our God has some grace 
in store, you remember I already said this, there's grace that goes on and on, but we have to see it. I believe our God is a giver of grace, and there's a grace for you today. Have you ever heard that that prayer, like, God, give me the grace needed for today? Have you ever heard that prayer? I believe we are not ready for the grace needed for today. I also think we, we minimize the grace that's needed for today. I also think our hearts are not ready for the undescribable and powerful grace that God says is destinedly needed for today. But there is a storehouse of grace. And so you will see in this, I think many of us are going to mirror this person. Because the second main character, Joseph, is so ready, so eager to show some powerful grace to. I need to hear, like, Joseph has a storehouse of grace ready for this individual. And some, it's not the question of if it's there, it's a different question and us we are going to mirror this and some of you you're like I don't like this idea of uh, of of grace being in proportion to my faith as if like I'm missing it did you know that that Peter I'm just going to read this it's going to set us up some of you are like don't like the idea of our faith being tested Peter says this that even when you're suffering in this you rejoice because though you're suffering for a little bit you have various trials those trials are testing you like the fire to something that is so beautiful, gold, but gold perishes. But what's, what is even more beautiful is the genuineness of your faith. And what happens as we are tested, you ask for grace, you're going to get tested. If you ask for grace, you're going to get tested because there's a grace for you, but it's in proportion to the level of your faith. So when I say, God, I need grace, you better believe my faith is going to get tested And as it gets tested, you can see, like, the test is not for our harm. It's for our good. The test is to result in praise and glory. But often we want, like, provision and grace, but we don't realize that faith is going to be tested in it. Faith is going to be tested. And that's not a scary thing. That's a beautiful thing. The end result is praise. Now, the second man in the story, the question will not be, hey, dude. I don't want to tell you the name yet. Hey, man. Does Joseph have grace for you? That's not the question. The question is not, hey, does Joseph have grains, have food to bestow on you? That's not the question. It's not, does Joseph want to? That's not the question either. The question is, is the man capable of receiving the grace that God or Joseph longs to give? So I'll tell you this. It's not that God doesn't have grace in in store for you. In fact, what I told you, there's grace in this room. His favor, his provision is in this place. The question is not, does God see you? Though we we sometimes feel that way, right? God, do you see me? It's not like, God, do you have something good in store for me? Which sometimes, that's a real, real prayer we pray. That's not the question. The question is, am I capable? Am I capable of receiving what God longs to do. Can you put that question up? Am I capable for even receiving what God longs to give? Now, some of you are like, I'm tuning out. That sounds bad. No, listen. If you're in Christ Jesus, let me just battle some lie that just happened. The question is not, are you capable, even though that is the question. Listen, if you're in Christ Jesus, you've been born again, bought anew. 
You have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. You have been made capable to do everything that God has called you. But the issue, though, if you're like me, whew, my um, opinion of myself is a little bit downgraded from how God sees me, right? Anyone else? My opinion of myself is a bit more blurred than how God sees me. So though I am made capable, my capability is not what I'm actually capable of. And it's all my perspective. Does that make sense? So when I say this, it is not, are you capable of receiving the grace? You were made to receive the grace. The issue is, are you present to realize the blur that attacks your capability to receive the grace? That's the question. This guy, like, he, he's like, he's right there, but there's so many things that will get in the way of his ability to even receive what, what Joseph is doing, in turn, what God is doing. And so we're here in this place. We have a blurred opinion of ourselves, but this guy, he's going to go through the fire today. Whew. He's going to be tested and turned out to be pure. And so I'm honest, this is what I've been praying for you and over us. So who's the second character? It's actually, uh, if you remember those who've been with us, I think week two, we dove into this second character and this guy has a bad rap. Um, So if you remember week two, I mirrored chapter 37 and 38 of Genesis. And we talked about Joseph and his older brother, Judah. Now, Judah, whoo, he went away, he found a girl, he, he hooked up with the girl, he had a bad family, the, and so much so did not lead his sons. The, the Lord, it says, did not like the disobedience of Judah's sons, so they died. Judah is in this hot mess. Judah then sleeps with his daughter-in-law, gets her pregnant, it's messed up, he's angry, he's, he's frustrated, and we see him spiral downward, Judah. While the next chapter, 38, has Joseph rising in integrity, saying no to Potiphar's wife. It's this beautiful thing, and that man we're diving into today. He's the second story. He's the second main character in this, and I'm really excited because right now where we're at, um, where we're at is uh, someone, someone's outside your house. That was a ring, right? <laughs> It's like goes off in our offices. I'm like, oop, someone's at the door. But I, where we're at right now is, is Joseph was put in charge of all that Pharaoh had, right? Pharaoh had a dream, five, seven years of good and seven years of bad. We are picking up on like year two of the bad. So there was, that's, if you do, do math, that's year nine. So at this time, you've already, if you, if you heard Gabby's message last week, uh, people were hungry. The famine has struck. People were starving. Can we all agree that we get really nasty when we're hungry? And so there is a lot of nastiness going on. Like some of you are just hangry and I don't want to be around you when you're that way. Others of you, like I can tell when I'm going a little over because you get angry. And it's because you either want food or you want the chiefs. I get it. I get it. But we get a little crazy when we're hungry. And that's what's going on. You're two of the famine and his brothers come. If you remember from Gabby's message, they bow down and he recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. Has anyone ever like been shopping at Target? This is me, this is a real story. And you run into an ex and you're like, awkward. And, and it did not end well. And that's the last time you've ever seen them. Uh, or like, it's just that person that, that person that bullied you in high school and you run into them and you're like, Ugh. 
Anyone? No, just me? Just me? Okay, cool. That's the story that's happening here, but they don't know it's Joseph. And so if you know the story, he calls them spies. Uh, and, and honestly, many of you in small groups, maybe you read this chapter and you're like, why is Joseph playing these games? Why is Joseph playing these games? Well, listen, we're about to dive into 44, chapter 43, 44, and 45, and there's some games, all right? We're going we're gonna to fly through these together, but there's some games. So I just want to let you know real quick off the bat, these games are not out of a mean heart. These games are not out of a mean heart at all. In panic, he's like, hey, uh, you're spies, right? In panic, you're spies, and I want you to prove that you're not spies by going home, bringing me the youngest brother, which if you, if you remember, the youngest brother, Benjamin, is his real brother. He's like, I want you to bring Benjamin back to me, and to show, to prove this, I'm going to chain up your older brother. And if you read this uh, in small group, there's this time when they look at one another and they're like, this is because of what we did to Joseph. All of this bad stuff is happening because Joseph was crying in anguish and we didn't do it. And they have no idea that Joseph can understand. But if you remember, like, he runs away and cries. It's heavy stuff. And so then they leave, they leave, and honestly, their collective guilt is so strong. But why does he do this? I wanted you to just know, like, is this from bitterness? Is this from vengeance? Does he see them and like, mm. is, is it out of bitterness or vengeance? No, it is out of discernment and wisdom. It is out of discernment and wisdom. Get it this way. He knows who they are, but I need you to hear it. He doesn't know who they are. He knows who they are but he doesn't know who they are. He knows that they're in his family and he has a whole lot of things in store for them if they want to be in his family, but he doesn't know if they're capable of receiving it well. I'm gonna say that again. Some of you need to turn off your phones because you're, you're, the enemy is getting distracting right now because you are a part of the family. Now, you need to hear this. You are a part of the family of God. Some of you have never actually stepped foot into the family, so you're on this outside. You, you were made to be God's children. The question is not that. It's, are you capable of receiving the grace that he has for you? And so Joseph is practicing something. He is practicing shrewdness. Do you all know that word? Shrewdness. Jesus tells the disciples to be shrewd as snakes, weird, but as harmless as doves. You see, to be shrewd, it, this is like a, a, a test. You remember King Solomon who had the two moms, you know, the story, and they were fighting over the baby and King Solomon in his shrewdness, not harm. This is not to be harmful. This is to be shrewd. He says, all right, we'll cut the baby in half and each of you can have half of it. Because he knew in his wisdom that the real mother would say, no, she can have the baby. And then he said, ah, she's the real mother. She gets the baby. It's shrewdness. Wow. The enemy is at work in this place. Another test of faith, if we can sign. <laughs> Another test of faith is, is Abraham and Isaac. We just read this to, uh, to our kids, right? Abraham is told by God to sacrifice his son. Is he going to do it? That's shrewd. It's not for the harm because God in all wisdom knows I'm going to provide a ram. And then now we got this test where it's not going to be uh, Abraham and Isaac. It is going to be Jacob and his baby Benjamin. 
It's the same thing, a different generation. And so here we are, this test. Will they come to me, God says, or will they seek reconciliation or will they go on their way? Are these men capable of receiving actually the storehouse of grace that I have for them? And so the story continues. All right, we got a little story time. Are we back? 44, 45, we got to get into this. The story continues. They go home to daddy. They tell daddy all the stuff. They tell daddy the big man wants to see your baby boy. Now pause. Did you realize that Benjamin was older than some of you in this room? He's in his mid to late 20s by now. Yeah, but they still call him a lad. They still call him a baby. It's because honestly, the guilt associated to what they did to Joseph The guilt associated to when they say Joseph's name, they see dad crumble. The guilt associated to that now has all of them favoring Benjamin as well, babying him. We have to keep him safe because dad will die. We have to keep him safe because of all that we've done. Guilt is so strong in their hearts as a brotherhood. These brothers are so guilty. And so they they just, they know it. So they tell dad they want Benjamin. They're so messed up that Simeon says, hey, I will keep him safe. And if he doesn't come back, like, you can kill my kids. Like, what, Simeon? Like, what are you doing? Like, that's brokenness. What are you doing, Simeon? You you care more about Benjamin than your own kids, too? Like, what is going on? And so this brokenness continues. They promise to keep him safe. They're gathering their bags. All right, this is chapter 43. They're gathering their bags. They look into it, and they see all of their money from the first trip is back in those bags. In other words, Joseph snuck their money back in, the money that they used to buy the grain. He put it back in. And guess what they do on this small grace that was bestowed? A grace that is going to happen again and again and again as the chapters go. He's going to keep sneaking the money back. It's so funny. Like He keeps giving them money back. It's like he's given them the free grace. Guess what they do at this grace? They look to one another in fear and they say, what is this that God has done to us? What is this that God has done to us? This grace, this good thing is terrible. It's a punishment. And as a reader, we're like, what? Like, dude, you, you just got grace. You got your money back. Like, you got free grain. You got your money back. It's grace. So I'll tell you, One of the things that are going to, uh, because the question, right, is not, is there more grace? The question is, are you capable of receiving the grace, right? They got this little bit of grace, and we're not capable of receiving it. Do you notice that? They got money back in their bags, yet we're not even capable. It's what has God done to us, not what God has done for us. And so they're like, this is bad. Can I tell you why? One word. And I feel like it is weighed down on many of your hearts is the word guilt. The word guilt. The word guilt. And in fact, these brothers had so much guilt. And guilt is not, uh, it's not what you think it is sometimes. Um, It's not what you think it is, but I will tell you, there's a grace out for you today, but guilt is going to keep you from it. In fact, guilt for these brothers, it transformed their reasoning. It transformed their definitions, and it transformed their plans. In fact, like, think about this. Everything today was reasoned through the mistakes of yesterday. Everything they did today made sense to them through the lens of what they messed up yesterday. Some of you still do that. Everything today is seen through the pain of yesterday. That's still guilt. 
every one of the definitions today, this means that when people smile at you, some of you still define that smile by the pain of yesterday. Guilt. Their definitions, when someone gives you something, when someone hugs you, when someone is kind to you, it will be defined by your pain of yesterday if there's still guilt. Some of you are like, when people are smiled, last time they hurt me. It's interesting. It defined their plans. Everything they did was from the mistakes they did. That's guilt. Guilt. They were held in spiritual bondage by their guilt. Now, I want to tell you, like, I've prayed over this. I believe, like, in this room, as I look out to you, so many things, like, God has a calling on you. I'm going to look at, like, your eyes and scan through. God has a legit calling, but I believe so many of us are in spiritual bondage from guilt, and we don't even realize it. And it's not associated with what we feel guilty about anymore. It's associated with how we see everything, how we see God's good things. And it's a spiritual bondage because though he has it laid out, you have not received it. Though he has things. And so I, I just, I've been wanting for the longest time good things for our church. But I think God has said, Greg, it's not that I don't have good things for our church. It's there's some people in the church like that I've called to do great things. Their hearts are not capable of receiving it because of guilt. And I'll tell you, like, I've been praying over you guys for a long time. There's good things in front of you. But are you capable of receiving it? Because right now you've transformed some of your thinking. And so God's doing something, but you're defining it as something else. And so you're not stepping into it. God has done this, this grace in their bags, yet they call it something else. You see, they harbored unconfessed sin. You want to put that up? There's a, a few things that will cause us. Do you want to put that unconfessed sin up? Uh, unconfessed sin. They harbored unconfessed sin. There are about four ways in this passage that guilt can come. And so for some of you, it's hard, unconfessed sin. That God has some grace for you today, but you still haven't even told him about what you did yesterday. God has some grace for you today, but you haven't even confessed what you did as a child. I mean, this is 22 years ago, and they've held this. Like, God has some grace for you. He's got a plan associated, but you're still defining that plan by the unconfessed sin of yesterday. But there's more. It's not just that. Some of you, guilt can reside from generational curses generational curses can be associated with guilt. I mean, these boys lived in generational curses. Dad loved a boy better than us, bitterness. Uh, sexual sin after sexual sin. Uh, the, the generational curses of how they, they, they handled their wife and then wives. Generational curses. And so they, th these boys didn't even do those things, yet they feel the guilt of it. And so they're defining their present by that. Some of you, there's some generational curses. And though there's grace for you today, you're defining it by that. Another one is the unforgiveness of self. Judah, you better believe he goes home and sees Tamar, his stepdaughter, who's now raising his twin boys. Like, it's a messed up. Can you, can you imagine the unforgiveness in his heart? 
Some of you, it's not about what you, ha- what you did. It's about how you feel about yourself, about what you did. There's some unforgiveness of yourself, and so God gives a grace. But you define it as a burden because unforgiveness has rotten your perspective. Can I tell you, God has a grace for you today, but unforgiveness will ruin your capability of receiving it? Some of you, forgive yourself. Now, that's harder. Grace yourself is a way that we can say it. Uh, Honestly, like I can spend a whole lot of time on that. But one thing that I do is I constantly, when I am in a place of unforgiveness, I pause and my wife makes fun of me, but this is actually a a good thing to do. This is a, like a, a counseling trick. Are you ready? When you're in a place of unforgiveness, mentally step out of yourself. Look at your situation See that the birds are still flying, like the wind is still blowing, that God is still moving, and you can see like, there is grace here, and I'm okay because God is here. And even that like little snidbit can lead you into grace, gracing yourself. Like God is here. God is here, and he's somehow here. I'm going to learn to love myself. Some of you, like if you were with the Judah You know, like if Judah was with the Judah that sold his brother to slavery, Judah would be angry at that Judah. Judah would be like, I hate you. You cannot see what God has for you if you look back to your past and hate yourself for it. Some of you would be like, I'd change everything. I would direct them. I'd slap them around. I I would do this. I would not do that. I would, okay. Yeah, I get that. But as you look at that, you are missing the grace ahead of you today. That is what it is. Let's talk about today. The grace, the forgiveness. And so there's another one, the sins committed to you. And I don't want to forget this one. I, we stay in the victim. Judah, there are some sins committed to him. His dad did not love him well. His dad neglected him. His daughter-in-law lied to him. Granted, he shouldn't have had sex with a prostitute, but his daughter-in-law lied to him and forced him into a union with her. There's There's some sins committed to him, and he needed to wrestle with those in order to receive the grace that God had for him. So there's some sins committed that were committed to you, and you haven't even messed with them yet. You haven't even thought, you haven't even gone there in a long time. But can I tell you the grace needed for today will be blurred if you keep associating with the guilt attached to that. And so there's some beautiful things. Let me tell you, Judah had a whole host of this. And so the, the things keep going. And I'll tell you this right now. Like, I, I missed the slide, so I'm sorry, Dalton. Uh, but grace builds a parameter. It does. It builds this parameter, uh, or guilt builds a parameter, sorry, of, of God's grace. And so for Judah, all of this, this undealt with guilt, it, it built walls, parameters. And so we start saying things like this. God won't do that. Because of what I've done. We, we put parameters on God's grace. He can't do that because of what I've done. Some of you, like when he then does things, you don't even want to step outside of that parameter. Because if, if, if you get that blessing, then you'll feel indebted 
you'll feel indebted that you have to do more for God to love you. And so that's guilt. I don't want God to do these things for me. I don't want, I don't even want to pray for him and ask for this because if he gives it to me, then I'm going to be in more debt to him. That's guilt. And this is what the brothers are doing. So the, the parameters, they're like, dad says, all right, something's going on. The enemy, uh, God hates us. Like something bad is happening. Double the money this time. They literally bring back double of the money to pay it back. Why? Because their guilt has burdened them and they don't want to be in debt anymore. But that's not how grace works, right? But they're like, I, I see it wrong. I see it wrong. And so they bring double the money because they don't want to be in debt. They bring double the money. They come in front of Joseph, and Joseph has to run away because he sees his brother Benjamin for the first time in a long time and just weeps. Like he's this precious moment. They come to him. He has a, a whole feast planned. Like they got hooked up. Chapter 44 is this, 43 and 44 is this beautiful feast. And I don't think we realize this. They're feasting in a famine. Talk about grace. No one else is eating, yet they are feasting. This is grace. And guess what the, the scriptures say the brothers are all doing? They're looking at each other. What did we do to God for this? Like, they're already waiting for the, thing, the hammer to fall, for them to die. Like, they're already, they're, every bit of grace that falls into their lap, they're defining it as bad. Defining it as bad. And so it, the story continues. Uh, Joseph puts a test on them. And what happens is this. Joseph and the steward in the chapter 44 at the beginning. This is crazy. Joseph gets his steward and he says, hey, let's put all their money back in again. And I also want to put my silver cup in Benjamin's bag. And so then they go on their merry way and Joseph's steward runs after them. And uh, sometimes we like do the monologue of this in our small group. We like to tell the story in a funny way. But this is how I would put this story. You ready? They follow, they follow after me and goes, hey, stop. There's something missing in my master's table. It's his cup. You have to stop. And <laughs> the dude knows, but he's just, you know, putting on an act now. That was my acting skills. And so they, they're like, it was not me. We didn't steal anything. We didn't steal anything. And if we did steal it, the brothers say, you can kill the one who stole it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Jump to that. And the rest of us will be slaves. And so one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, we already know the end, right? We already know who's, who has it. The oldest to the youngest, they look, and then it gets to Benjamin's bag. They open it up, and on the top is the silver cup. Instantly, those Bible theologians in the room, if you read this, you will notice instantly the brothers rip their clothes off and start mourning. It mirrors the theologians. It mirrors what their dad did the moment they told him that Joseph was dead. So already, they're not even like thinking, oh, well, Benjamin did it. Like, they don't even question, Benjamin, did you actually do that? They instantly think, bad thing happened, dead is, he's dead, and so they mourn. He's dead. 
we've ruined it. In other words, like this is guilt speaking. We failed again. Some of you, when some small thing happens that needs to be dealt with, before you even see how God's going to play it out, you say, I failed again. Some of you do that. Before you even see how God is going to play it out, you say, I failed again. I am a rock bottom failure. I am a worthless brother. I am a worthless person. We failed again. Some of you sit there. Instead of letting it play out, let's see what God is doing. So they go back to Joseph pretty quickly. I wonder if they're like shirtless. Like, do they have another thing of clothes when they rip their clothes? I don't know what's happening. But we see in Scripture them fall to their faces in front of him. Now, this is not the first time they've done this, but all of the commentaries that I've read say that this is the this is the culmination. This is Joseph's dream. Because every other time that they, they bowed down before him, they did so out of reverence. Like, like you're a king. Like, and they did so out of reverence. This is the first time that they did so saying, you have dominion over us. We are slaves. We are nothing. We are worms. And so this is the, the dream personified right now. They fall down, heads down, and and one person comes up to speak. Our second main character. You. Are you ready? One person. You. Comes up to speak. And it says, in Judah, it is said, chapter 44, verse 16, what can we say, my Lord? Can you put that up for us? What can you say? What can we say? What can we speak? How can we make it clear? It's slide 13. Now, God has found out the guilt of your servants. As if God didn't know it already. But here we are then, my, my Lord's slaves, both we and also the one in whose possession the cup has been found. Did you notice right now he does not say Benjamin is it? Benjamin is the guilty one. He doesn't even say, he says our guilt. Did you know, like, I've, I've read this to make sure of this. This is the only time that Judah ever, any of the brothers ever speak of their guilt outside of the brotherhood. The, the, Joseph, uh, he overheard them once, but this is the first time that they have, he has spoken my guilt. God has found out our guilt. God has discovered, like, I am sinful. He confesses it. And then Joseph responds with a test. (sighs) Come on, Joseph. He says, far be it from me that I should do that, that that I should take all of you as slaves. For only the one who is in possession of my cup is found guilty. Like, that that's the only one who is in my safety. You guys can go in peace. You want to know what Joseph just did? He did a repeat of Genesis chapter uh, 36. He did a repeat. He allowed the brothers to stand at the pit and say, are we going to allow my brother to be here alone while we advance our lives, or are we going to own what we've done? Like they literally have the do-over. They have the ability to keep their sins hidden. They have the ability to not deal with it at all. They can go back to peace with their father. Yet they've known better, right? Sometimes I'll tell you right Every day, you have the ability. God gives you the ability to turn a blind eye to your sins. 
He gives you the ability to stay in hiding. He does. Free will gives you the ability to stay in hiding. You can constantly allow the guilt that you feel to be buried. Your unconfessed sins, the shame of your past, the sins that have happened to you, the, uh, the, the way that you see yourself, you can allow that to stay hidden every day. But there's this beautiful moment when God comes forward and gives you the ability to respond. And so what Judah does, the second main character, you guys, what, what he does it's beautiful. You remember, he's in a down posture. And scripture literally says, in verse 18, it says, Judah stepped up. He stepped up. Many well-known theologians, like I, I, got, I, got, like, I got nerdy when I was reading this. Did you know, out of every plea, even the ones written by David in scripture, Commentary after commentary after commentary. People, theologians, Bible scholars after Bible scholars say this is the hands down most pitiful, most raw, most, uh, most genuine. This is the most broken request recorded in all of scripture. So many people have said that. That this is the most pitiful and raw request. Do you know what he does? He says, Lord, my Lord, if I have the ability to speak, if I could just like tell you what's going on. And he lays out his whole story of shame. He tells everything. What he did to his father, what they did collectively, Benjamin's love, the value that the father had, the father's adoration, the fact that, that the father is going to die if, in heartache, and they've already done all this weight and burden on their dad already, and they can't do it. He can't live with himself if his father died because of him. And he's like, it's this beautiful plea. I mean, it's wordy. Chapter 44, the end of it, it's wordy. And you're like, dude, how many, things, how many details are you going to tell him? He just keeps going. And then verse 30 happens. And he says, now, therefore, please let me, your servant, remain as a slave in the place of the boy. And let the boy go back with his brothers. Now, I don't know if you realize this. I, I, he says, I cannot let this happen to my brothers and my dad. And so the second main character, maybe it's you, steps forward and offers a sacrifice. He stepped forward and proved that he was capable of receiving the grace that God had for him. Do you want to know why I say that? Because this is the moment in all of, like, you ready to get a little nerdy with me? This is the moment in all of, of scripture where Judah steps into to his name calling. This is the first time that Judas steps into the grace that was bestowed to him as a follower of Yahweh. And you want you know why? Because Judah means literally to make confession. Judah means to cast down. And Judah means ultimately to give praise, to give glory. That for the first time in one action, Judah confessed his sins. Judah cast himself down. I will be the slave. I will be it. And Judah gave praise and glory to someone other than himself. For the first time, Judah steps into his name calling and shows that he is capable of receiving the grace of the Lord. It's this powerful thing. And do you want to know something cool? What's about to happen in the next few chapters? His dad is going to bestow on him a blessing. Did you know from the line of Judah... 
our Savior would be born? From the line of Judah, Jesus would come. And guess what Jesus would do? Just in the name of Judah, he would make a confession that he was Lord. He would cast himself down just like, just like Judah did for Benjamin. Judah would say, I'm going to take the place of the guilty brothers. I'm going to take the place of, and I will stay. He casts himself down. And he gives praise and glory to the Father. In this one act, Jesus shows, I am of the lineage of Judah. My father's 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 father stepped into this name, showed that he could receive the grace. She received the grace that God had for him, and I am following suit. And so I, I say all of this because you, if you are a follower of Jesus, none of you are Jews, maybe a, poor, maybe a few of you are, I don't know, I'd love to hear if you are, but all of us were Gentiles, grafted in, adopted in. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are bought into the lineage of Judah. Did you know this? So you want to receive the grace that God has for you? Follow the lineage of Judah. Make a confession. Cast down and result in praise. You want your faith tested? Make a confession. Cast something down. Result in praise. Make the confession. Some of you, what you did yesterday should no longer define your actions today. Why? Because you're a lineage of Judah. Some of you, you need to say, God, this happened to me and I'm letting it, I'm casting it down. This happened to me, but I'm casting it down. I'm surrendering it. This was what my life was, but it's, it's surrendering. Some of you need to go back to the very recesses of the things you need to feel it so that you can surrender it. Because if you want the grace given to you today that results in praise and glory, there's a confession and a casting down that comes before. While the trial happens, the fires fill. And so I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. Like reconciliation is possible. And honestly, you have this moment right now. If, if I can play the Joseph in the story. We have this opportunity to hand over the easy thing, Benjamin, and walk out. Many of you, you do it every Sunday. You hand over the easy thing, the time of the 9 or 10 to 11.30 hour. You hand it over. It's pretty easy. On a Sunday morning, you hand it over, and you walk on your merry way. And notice he says, go back to peace with your father. Let's be honest, there's no peace with your, your father. There's no peace. You'd go back and you'd just be living back in it. And I'll tell you, many of you have done this, and it has hurt our ability, honestly, as a church to make an impact in our city because you're part, part of it. And there's a, there's a whole kingdom of God waiting like there's a whole people in your workplace, on your street, that your unconfessed sin has actually hurt your praise, which has hurt their understanding of Christ. So like you, you can leave Benjamin here and go on your merry way. You can, but it's not going to be peaceful. You're still going to struggle. You're still going to give in to it. You're still going to doubt. You're still going to take every good thing and think it's a bad thing. 
You're still going to feel indebted every time someone does something good for you that is a follower of Christ. You're going to feel like that's another mark on your thing that you, you have to now do more to prove yourself. You could do that. Or you can stop. You can make confession. You can cast down. And you can result in praise. There's a grace for you today. Are you capable of receiving it? God, I just pray right now that all, with all of us, like in this room, God, I just pray right now that we can realize that there is a grace for today that is greater than we think. Our built-up parameters from our guilt, maybe it's unconfessed sin. Maybe it's generational curses. Maybe it is unforgiveness. Maybe it is something that happened to us when we were a child, and we still feel guilty for our father abandoning us. We still feel guilty for our parents' divorce. We still feel guilty for the things that, that happened in our childhood. And we, we limit your grace today because of it. Father, I cast mine down. God, I make confession. God, I know that you have a grace for us as a church if we would only realize the capability you have bestowed on us to receive it. So God, may we follow in the lineage of Judah. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.